Hello, everybody, and welcome to Blackhawks on Tap. I am Johnny Nani, joined tonight by Ron Luce. Ron, my friend, we are talking about a Blackhawks 4-1 to winner up in Montreal, second of this Canadian road trip. They get the job done on back-to-back nights. Like, it seems like they have a lot this season. How are you feeling about the game? I'm feeling great about the game, Johnny, and you said it best, you know. For whatever forsaken reason, this team plays well on back-to-backs. I think we actually the last time I think they were on a back-to-back is when you and I were on and we had this exact same discussion was I think they're like they were seven oh and one or something at that time. Yeah. So now they're probably closer to eight. Yeah. Eight oh and one. Uh Pat Boyle said it was eight and one uh on there the post game show. That's what he said. So um Hey, whatever it is, it's working for him. And I couldn't be happier because they absolutely needed this. Uh, You know, honestly, if you're going to look at these efforts uh, from Ottawa and Montreal games here, you kind of would have thought they would have been flip flopped almost, you know, probably a little more stale on the second leg of a back to back, just standard thinking, you know, not in terms of, (laughs) I guess, this Blackhawks team, since they've completely flipped the script on that. But, you know, you would expect them to go down early in the second half of a back to back. But no, tonight they were setting the pace. Uh, up 2-0 in the first period, both thanks to Zach Smith. Yeah, and and we talked about it briefly just before jumping on tonight's episode. This bottom six has just felt rejuvenated. Uh, I don't know, you know, I think a lot of it has to do with, you know, our guy Drake Kajula. And, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, he just him coming back has helped that depth. And, you know, all of a sudden this, whatever the fourth line ends up being on a night in and night out basis, is just, it's, it's, they're playing like a fourth line should creating you know energy creating you know some offensive pressure just being a pain in the ass to play against and tonight instead of it just being a pain in the ass to play against it also yields two goals as you mentioned zach smith mm-hmm. first one on you know a short nice shorthanded chance assist coming from drake kajula and then you know a wicked nice redirect from him on a slater cuckoo shot oh yeah um uh, you know about just under three minutes later. So what a way to start the first period and <laughs> have yourself a period, Zach Smith. Yeah, that was honestly, uh, I thought we would have kind of seen that, you know, I mean, granted, you can't help when the find when the puck finds you uh, and where you are, uh, especially in what game. But, uh, you know, I kind of expect that more against Ottawa. Uh, if, you know, things are going to align perfectly in the hockey world, like Crow always plays well at Montreal, Zach Smith being in Ottawa for Ottawa center for a long time. Uh, previously before coming to the Blackhawks, you thought that would happen there. But, hey, I'll take it any time I can get it from a depth scoring perspective, especially since uh, last night the, it had to be top-heavy carrying the load. So it, it was nice to see that spread out a little bit more here, uh, especially with those two first-period Zach Smith goals. Uh, you had mentioned that first one, uh, you know, major props to Drake Kajula. He has been a beast ever since he has returned. And, what, he's only been in back now uh, three games. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, would he come back Sunday night or uh, Saturday night? I think that was his first one back. So, um, yeah, it, it, in his limited time back, he's the one that creates that turnover. And granted, it was a misplay, um, you know, behind the net by all the Canadians, both their defensemen and the goalie back there. But hey, you take advantage. That's what good teams do. You take advantage of the opponent's mistakes, and that's exactly what Drake Kajula did. Fed the pass right out front to Zach Smith, who made no doubt about it. Uh, and then the redirect goal, we talked about him right before we came on. Uh, Slater Cuckoo gets primary assist on that because he sent the shot in the perfect area for Zach Smith there, Ron. Yeah, that was a seeing eye shot, 100%. I mean, if you watch the replay, that that misses about two or three bodies skating out in front, perfectly in the direction of Zach Smith, right on his blade. He's able to tip it up over Lindgren's shoulder. 
Just an excellent, excellent redirect. I mean, you know, I know you are just such a fan of redirect goals. I know that mm-hmm. is your thing. And that is a that is a thing of beauty because how impressive it is to have the hand-eye coordination to do that. Uh, it it takes a it takes a great deal of hand eye coordination, but Zach Smith really coming through in the clutch, looking like you know himself, I guess in a way, you know he's kind of the player that he was when he was with the Ottawa Senators. This you know kind of more of a grinder, but he'll give you some offense and and he can provide some scoring, and he did that tonight. Um, you know, not only shorthanded, but just also on a fourth line shift. And I'm telling you, you know. Again, I, another thing I mentioned when you and I were talking just before getting on this fourth line, it doesn't matter who's on there night in and night out so far. And it's changed up every once in a while. You know, obviously Sakura down there tonight. Uh, I think back to Saturday, you know, it was it was Kajula, Smith and Highmore. Tonight, it was a little more of a Highmore, Sakura, um, you know, Smith kind of blend, you know, but it doesn't matter right now because in the last three games, this fourth line is, I would argue, been the best line outside of the, you know, once in a blue moon, Kubalik, Taves, and Kane line. Mm-hmm. You know, they're just yep. consistent. They're just, you know, they're grinding on pucks. You know, they're getting pucks to the net. They're creating offensive opportunities. Sure, they might not be scoring as much, but they're just, they're, they're again, they're being that pain in the ass to play against. And, uh, you know, as something that this team has kind of lacked all season in the bottom six, mostly due to injury, if we're being entirely honest, you yep. know, it's just nice seeing that energy line truly play with the energy that they should be. Yeah, so I got, I got two comments before we move this on to the second period here. One, hey, hell of a night for Zach Smith. You double your uh, goal total on the season in one period, not just one game, one period. Hey, that's pretty good. Uh, second of all, you know, if there was ever a time for these guys to step up on that fourth line, now is it with these guys out. And with all the momentum that they're creating uh, with these, you know, guys creating chances, you know, obviously offensively and then being responsible in their own end, uh, kind of helping dictate play and be a little bit of an agitator. I feel like that's only going to carry over as soon as a Strom Sod return, which should be fairly soon uh, for definitely at least one of those because Sod's coming up right on that four week, uh, you know, timetable here as we approach the Saturday game against uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs and Strom. There hasn't been an exact report on it. But, um, you know, you could possibly see him uh, fairly soon here. So um, I think it only bodes well going forward here, Ron. Uh, let's continue on into the second period. Uh, former Hawk, of course, uh, the one, uh, you know, blemish against the Blackhawks tonight on the score sheet was a former Hawk himself, Philip Deneau. Uh, we've already gone over on Four Feathers podcast enough of how much we still regret that trade. Um, so, you know, uh, he of course, he gets it done uh, for the Canadians in the opening minute of that period to put this with in a one goal game. Um, But after that, Ron, I think what was really impressive for me, because you felt like that could have helped open the floodgates uh, and you felt, you know, Montreal would probably have the next goal. No, uh, they were able to hold this thing steady up until just over the middle mark of the uh, second period, just over the middle mark of the game. And Alex Brinkett gets a power play opportunity as I hate to pick on people and my heights, nothing to write home about, but, is Max Domi not the definition of short man syndrome? <laughs> I know he gets be. it from his dad. I guess I was but. gonna say he definitely gets that from his old man because Ty Domi was has even admitted it on uh, numerous occasions that he has some small man syndrome. But sometimes you need that. Well, it, you know what, Ron? It paid off for the you know what? Or excuse me, it uh, played into the Blackhawks' favor tonight. I guess is what I'm you know trying to say here because that Debrinket goal was a power play goal from the slot set up perfectly by Patrick Kane. And 
they would not have had that opportunity if Max Domi didn't feel the need to go and retaliate super heavily on Matthew Highmore when they were just having a, you know, a shoving match that probably occurs 15 times in a hockey game when both guys are going to the bench to change. Yeah, absolutely. A hundred percent. And you even mentioned it, you know, a couple quick notes about the, these goals, obviously to know 12th goal of the season. That's a nice, respectable number for him. But how about Ilya Kovalchuk all of a sudden learning how to play hockey ever since he gets to Montreal? Um, yeah, he's, he's actually been, I don't want to say overly impressive, but he's been nice. He's been really nice for them. He's got his 10th assist of the night tonight on that Denault goal. But I'll tell you what, on that Debrinket goal, a nice shot from the, uh, from the mid to high slot from Debrinket. Mm-hmm. I think he really needed that good call to you on your stick to click pick there. Uh, yeah, with, thank you. With, with number 12, getting his number 12 on the year on the power play. Um, but can we talk about the fact that Charlie Lindgren is a psychopath? Because uh, he yeah. was playing without a blocker on and still trying to make a save. Like, dude, if that puck hits you in the hand, your hand shattered. Yeah. Done for. Like, I, I guess I was joking with my dad when it happened because he was like, look at this. Look what just happened. And I'm like, well, dad, you got to remember if you're willing to let a 95 mile per hour slap shot hit you in the helmet, you have to be at least a little woo woo in the head, in my opinion, to play goalie. But, <laughs> you know, yeah, he's he, that was just ridiculous. That That is new level of, of crazy. Um, I'll tell you what, though, I, I have liked Charlie Lindgren to an extent. Over the years, I just think he's always been a nice, reliable backup for the Canadiens. So uh, that's just, you know, that's a hockey player thing, man. That's an athlete thing. You know, any true player, you know, you lose a helmet or, you know, like players, you know, in the NFL game, you see linemen all the time lose their helmets and they'll still finish a play. So Mm -hmm. it's just it. I get it. You know, it's just that is just to me, just terrifying just from the standpoint. Oh, yeah. Literally could shatter his hand if that puck hits him the right way. So, but, uh, thankfully Debrinket is really good at, uh, missing appendages and, and putting pucks in the back of the net because, yeah. uh, ripping shots on the power play is cool and tough. So nice to see him Absolutely. get number 12 on the year. And, um, you know, they take that three, one lead then into that, in that intermission. But I agree with you, uh, very pleased defensively that the Hawks were able to, like you said, avoid that, that floodgates, um, mm-hmm. for the Montreal Canadiens and actually ultimately be the next team to score the next goal. And, uh, you know, just quick. Yeah, I, actually, I'll leave I'll leave my little defense talk for the end of the game. I know we want to get through the rest of the, the periods here. Yeah. Yeah. So for sure. Uh, just real quick, if you were not watching the game and you're catching up with us here on the Blackhawks on tap postgame show, what had happened was it was on the power play after that aforementioned play with Max Domi and Alex, uh, excuse me, Matthew Highmore going at it. Um, you know, uh, in front of the benches. That's what put the Blackhawks on the power play. A little bit of a scrum towards the front of the net. Patrick Kane gets in there trying to shove one home. Uh, You know, Lindgren's uh, blocker had actually come off as he was trying to, you know, uh, attempting to cover the puck. Uh, Puck came back around, uh, was retrieved by the Blackhawks, eventually made itself back out to Kane uh, on the right wing boards, and he set it up for Debrinket in the slot. And Debrinket, actually, you know, he was being a gentleman, went glove side, not blocker side, (laughs) not not to the bare hand, uh, actually did go to where the padding was, but Lindgren was already out of position enough to, you know, and Debrinket put it in the corner, so there was no question about it. That was the Blackhawks' third goal of the night um, at the 11-27 marker of the second period, so then um, that brings us to the third period. Uh, Blackhawks, like I had said, you know, talking about, you know, not letting the floodgates uh, reopen even though Montreal is really pressing possession wise uh, definitely controlling a lot more of the play uh, 
towards the second half of this game, uh, not just the third period, but even the second half of the uh, second period, you know, as it's expected when a team is trailing, they're going to press more. Um, but they, you know, they were pressing the Blackhawks didn't let up much. Um, and the only goal in the third period came from Drake Kajula, the man who had the assist on that first one, that shorty by Zach Smith. Uh, he did it all himself this time. It was an unassisted goal. Uh, he was a pickpocket, a little thief, you know, the strip and score. Uh, just buried a shot uh, beautifully over Lindgren's. I believe that was blocker side then um, at that point. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it was great to see Kajula back on the, uh, um, you know, in the goal column because, you know, I tweeted that out from the Four Feathers account. I always try to get the highlights out there for the followers. Um, and I'd said, you know, we missed you, Drake Kajula. And hell yes, we've missed him. Yeah, he's been sensational ever since he came back. I had the utmost pleasure of being at the game on Saturday, which um, I don't want to get us too far off topic. I just want to make a quick note. This is more so for our loyal panelist, Mr. Tony Marchese. Uh, I damn near called Saturday's game. It was comical. We were doing our stick to click, and I said, I'm going to go ahead and take Dominic Kubelik because I think he's going to keep riding it out. He had two goals that game, obviously, mm-hmm. almost had the hat trick. I said, he's probably going to account for like two points or something because they're playing a terrible Anaheim Ducks team, and the score is going to be like 5-2 or something like that. It was 4-2. I got damn close. If, if Kubelik yeah. gets that hat trick, I nailed it on the head. So I just wanted to mention that. Yeah, that was hey, just humble, humble, humble brags are cool. Little, little, little humble right there. But nonetheless, returning to this, uh, this action for the evening. Yeah, you know, it, Drake Ajula had just ever since he came back in that game on Saturday has really been an injection of life into that fourth line, you know, he or wherever he's playing for that matter. Obviously, yeah, first you know, line sometimes, yeah, right. He's been getting some looks on the first line, which I don't hate. We, you know, we've noted it ever since he was acquired from Edmonton uh, in the Brandon Manning trade. Thank God we got him instead of Manning. But it, you know, he's he's been able to play with star players. He did that in Edmonton with Connor McDavid. He's been able to do that in Chicago with guys like Jonathan Tapes and Patrick Kane. So he can play throughout the lineup. And that's, I think, what makes him so valuable, you know. But, you know, centering that fourth line on that set in on that Saturday game, his first game back, that was arguably the best line the entire game. You mm-hmm. know, and then going into last night, I would argue last night, they again were one of the better lines on the ice. You know, obviously the Kubalik. Taves Kane makeshift line ultimately dominated the game from a scoring perspective. But again, that energy coming from these guys in the bottom six and, you know, you see it tonight. Now, you know, Zach Smith accounts for two goals, you know, your quote unquote bottom six guys accounted for three of your four goals in this game. And almost all of your assists as well were coming from either bottom pairing defensemen or bottom six guys aside from the the Vrinkit goal. So uh, it's nice seeing the depth come through, but yeah, it's been a nice breath of fresh air. Kajula looks good. He looks healthy. And uh, that's, that's really nice to see. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Ron, I totally agree with what you said. A uh, little salute to the bottom six there uh, and the bottom pair um, as of late as well. So, um, you know, got to give credit where it's due. So uh, last point of credit where it's due here before we move on. Uh, Corey Crawford, the backstop man, uh, he was 32 of 33 tonight, uh, 5 of 5 on the power play, 27 of 28 at even strength, 970 save percentage, right on par with his 971 overall save percentage against uh, Montreal coming into this game. Uh, something about playing your hometown team, Ron. I'm telling you, it's like, you know, I don't I don't even know what it is, man. It's either a shot of adrenaline that he takes before the game or whatnot. But I respect it. You know, you see guys get up before they play their hometown teams all the time because you just you, you want to prove that organization wrong. And, 
you know you have friends watching and family members watching and you want to put on a performance. But I saw a crazy stat, though, um, from Mark Lazarus on Twitter. And it was with Corey Crawford's performance tonight and how good he was. Even though he made as many saves as he did, his career save percentage against the Canadians went down because he's just that yes. good against the Canadians. So yeah, it um, went down by one point or point oh one point point oh one. Yeah, it, yeah, unbelievable. You know, having a ninety nine seventy save percentage. But you know, talk about two good games from the goalies. Obviously, you know, Leonard giving up the two goals last night early, but you know, really shut it down, and the team defense shut it down. Uh, you know, and the team defense in this one again shut it down tonight. Um, yeah, the Canadians had over 30 shots tonight, but 33 shots, you know, early in the season, we were seeing this team give up almost 40 shots consistently, you know, now over the last couple of weeks, this team's not given up really more than that 33 ish shot range, mm-hmm. you know, some games it's even yep. less than that. So that's refreshing as well. And that kind of leads into my next point and, you know, I, that I wanted to mention earlier. You know, how about this defense just gelling? And, and you know, I want to read off a couple numbers tonight. And this is kind of why I'm pleased with the, the defense tonight. You know, Cuckoo only played just under 15 minutes. But him and uh, him and Mata on that third pairing have been absolutely fantastic. I don't know what it is. They have such good rapport together. You know, Cuckoo looks like a different player ever since coming back in the lineup uh, in, in favor of Gilbert, you know, four games ago or whatever it was now. You know, and, and him and Mata have just gelled and, and they've become a nice third pairing, you know. They're blocking shots. You know, they're hitting people. You know, Cuckoo had two hits tonight. They're assisting on goals. They both had the the assists on the second Zach Smith goal. You know, and then, you know, so you've got Cuckoo playing just under 15 minutes, but then Mata's playing set just over 17 minutes. Gustafson's only playing 17 and a half, which I think for him is, is perfectly fine. He's doing mm. what you want him to do there, and, and that's good. He blocked four shots tonight. Yeah, four shots. <laughs> Big for Gustafson. Exactly. You know, Connor Murphy, which is your tr- really your third defenseman technically right now because he's playing with Gustafson. He plays over 20 minutes, you know, over almost three and a half of that being on the shorthanded, which makes sense. You know, and then how about Adam Bokefist playing 22 minutes tonight with, with Duncan Keith? 325 that granted coming on the power play, but you know, Duncan Keithson, uh, the Iron Man he is, he played twenty over twenty four minutes tonight, uh, with you know about three and a half of that also being on the kill. So, just a lot of good things tonight from this defense. The team defense has been great. Both goalies have looked really solid. I don't know if it was Tony and I just dropping as many f bombs as we physically could on that Nashville episode, but they were warranted. Since- they were warranted. They oh, they were one hundred percent warranted. Yeah, but this this Nashville you know, this Nashville. This this team has really rebounded since that Nashville game. And sure, they haven't been playing great teams, but I know it's been mentioned on Four Feathers. I know it's been mentioned on here. Going into the second half of the season, this team has one of the easier schedules in the league. You know, they had a tough schedule early on, and they were able to hover around 500. Most difficult. There you go. And, you know, I'm not going to sit here and and bang my chest and say this team's going to win the Stanley Cup, but, you know, they have an opportunity. And, And, And yes. If they can play, especially as guys get healthy, Brandon Saad should be coming back, as you mentioned soon. Dylan Strom should be back around the corner here shortly. You know, who knows with Andrew Shaw? And, and, you know, to an extent, he is missed. But just think about the depth that this team all of a sudden has. You know, you could have a first, you know, a, 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 a set of lines that looks something like Saad, Taves, Kubalik, and Debrinkit, Strom, and maybe Doc. And then you have, you know, Oh gosh, it, it, it gets crazy. Kane yet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And we didn't even get to Patrick Kane yet. 
So all of a sudden your depth becomes renewed. All of a sudden, you know, you're making tough decisions on do we play guys like Highmore tonight? Um, and he's been sensational, I think, in a, in a fourth line kind of checking wing role. So it's a good problem to have. It's a problem you want to have. Too much depth is a good thing. And as guys get healthy, you just hope they can keep this chemistry going. Obviously, defensively, that's where they took the biggest hit. Calvin DeHaan was a huge miss. Pat Foley early in the broadcast said that Zach Smith was going to take the hits lead tonight on the team. That was held by Calvin DeHaan up until tonight. And he's been out for a month. That just Mm -hmm. showed you what he did on the ice. He was the team shots block leader for a while. I think Connor Murphy took Connor Murphy like a week and a half after DeHaan was out to take that lead away from him. So, you know, he's a huge loss and and he's going to be a huge part of this team going forward through the rest of his contract. And obviously, you know, even a a not 100 percent Brent Seabrook is still an important part of the defense and that locker room. So for how much they're missing on the back end, for how much they're missing at the forward depth, and somehow they're still pulling out wins when they could easily just keel over and die and, you know, this team could go into the, into the, you know, into the tank mode. They haven't, and they've been competitive and they're competing. And you you guys brought up, you know, Colleton making line changes as needed to get the energy going like he did in Ottawa last night. And just, Mm -hmm. it, it seems like this team's finally starting to gel a little bit. And we mentioned that right before the beginning of the season. A lot of new faces on this team. A lot of new faces. You know, it was going to take them a little while to gel. And, you know, I think fans are starting to see what they can do, especially against inferior competition. They're a better team than the Senators, 100%. They were a better team than the Anaheim Ducks. I would say they were a very comparable team to the Montreal Canadiens, talent-wise. And they were the better team tonight. And that's fantastic to see. Now, how do they, and we're obviously going to get this, so this is a little bit of foreshadowing, but what are they going to do against a very good Leafs team, you know? What are they going to do next week against or on Sunday against a very good Winnipeg Jets team? What are they going to do against a pretty good Florida Panthers team as Coach Gwenville makes his return to the United Center before their week-long break? So, you know, can you keep this momentum of this game that we all enjoyed, I think, as as fans tonight, and I'm sure the players enjoyed because now they see how they can play when they play to their potential? Can you keep that going through some of these tougher games coming up on your schedule? Yeah, Ron, I think you hit on a ton of good points there, and there's no need for me to go and uh, be redundant reiterating those because um, I agree with pretty much everything you said there. Um, But I do have some supplemental information to back up what you just said. You talked about getting depth back. So point A here uh, from Ben Pope of the Chicago Sun-Times, he says, um, Colleton did not rule out Stromer Saad joining the team in Toronto, though he wasn't saying... He wasn't exactly saying it will happen either. Um, Said they would have to take part in practice on Friday in order to play Saturday. So there's your update on possibly uh, getting some more depth injected into this lineup here. And then also, uh, this one is from Charlie Emiliotis on Twitter. You talk about trending in the right direction. What can they do? Uh, You know, feeling a little bit better about themselves, having, you know, easing up at least on the uh, strike the schedule finally shifting back towards you know a little bit easier as opposed to being the most difficult to start the season uh trending in the right direction here blackhawks are 3 0 and 0 in their last 3 6 1 0 in their last 7 road games and 9 4 and 0 in their last uh 13 overall so um that takes us right into the next test here. Um like you just kind of hinted at there uh, some good teams coming up some teams with some firepower um a team that has firepower and maybe not a whole lot of defense, but how can they put the puck in the back of the net? Toronto Maple Leafs. 
that is who the Blackhawks will see next in Toronto. Hockey night in Canada on Saturday night. Uh, I believe that is a 6 p.m. puck drop uh, central time here. So, um, Ron, it's going to be an exciting one. What are you looking for in this one? Yeah, I'm expecting a lot of offense. Um, I, I think back to last season and in, in the home opener, uh, which I had the utmost pleasure of being at. And I think back to the Blackhawks being down by a goal with Cam Ward and Nett and uh, Patrick Kane putting on his Superman cape and tying the game. And then Austin Matthews coming back down and scoring like a minute later and doing the Showtime I Can't Hear You celebration. Mm-hmm. And Patrick Kane taking exception to that because then he puts yet another puck in the back of the net before time expires <laughs> and does the same celebration back. And then they go to overtime. And granted, the Hawks lost an OT, but you know, it was just such an exciting game. I don't know if the firepower from the Blackhawks side is going to be the same, but they have an excellent opportunity, as you mentioned, because this Toronto Maple Leafs team is depleted defensively. I mean, I saw they I follow one of the one of the the personalities I enjoy following on Twitter and his YouTube videos is Steve Dangle. And he's he's pretty well known throughout the hockey community, covers the Toronto Maple Leafs as part of Sportsnet up in Canada. And he does an excellent job. They're entertaining videos. It's a great time to to listen and watch, and he just it, it, he's kind of my connect him and him and um, you know friend of four feathers, uh, Miss Jillian Fisher. They're kind mm-hmm. of my links into the world of the Eastern Conference, since obviously yeah. the Blackhawks reside in the West. And I saw something the other day that was like their D pairings. It was like Dermot Hall, and then it was like CC Marinson, and then it was two other no names. It was brutal. Yeah, but- did, didn't Morgan Riley just recently go down? He did. He's out eight weeks. Yeah, like, and that was my, one of their uh, top. Fan- that was one of their top defenders. Yeah, that killed my fantasy team. I'm not happy about that. He's sitting on my IR right now, currently in the league that I have him in. So, um, but yeah, they're they're really depleted defensively. You know, Tyson Berry's very much the definition of an offensive defenseman. Um, mm-hmm. He's their only defenseman that's got a negative plus minus. I know that isn't the greatest stat in the world, but for context, for a team that scores as much as they do. That should tell you. But, you know, Justin Hull, former uh, Chicago Blackhawk, believe it or not, he was in the system uh, some years back. I believe he was actually a Blackhawks draft pick, if I remember correctly. Um, you know, he's been playing really well for them. Muzzin, obviously, is still there. Uh, but he's been, you know, he's missed some games this year. Marinson is, he's whatever. Dermot's whatever. Cody Cece is, he was the uh, who's not on the post-game after show when they were looking forward to Toronto. I'll tell you what I am looking forward to, though, is the guy that who's hot. Because holy smokes. Now I'm going to drop it. Holy shit. He is hot. He is so hot that I need to turn my fan on because it's so hot. (laughs) Austin Matthews has been unfreaking believable. Leads the team by far in points. I think he's got an 11-point lead. Yeah, he's got 57 and Marner is 46. Yeah. 57 points, 34 goals. He just had a hat trick their last game, if I remember correctly. I mean, he's been unfreaking believable scoring this year. You know, Steve Dangle on his podcast, which I enjoyed listening to, they were talking to him, Adam Wilde, and Jesse Blake were talking about it. You know, Austin Matthews is on pace to to break the all-time single-season scoring record for the Toronto Maple Leafs from a goals perspective. Wow. Like, he's been that good this year. He's been unreal. I'm... I am here to see how does this Blackhawks defense that is very admittedly beat up, 
how do they match up with the firepower of this Toronto Maple Leafs team? Because they do have other great players. William Nylander has 20 goals already. Marner, as you mentioned, has over 45 points already. John Tavares, who we haven't even mentioned yet, is at a point-per-game clip with 40 and 40. So they have tons of firepower. They're very top-heavy. They have some good depth. I'm not going to discredit their depth. Like Guys like Kasperi Kapanen and and Zach Hyman and you know even Jason Spezza to an extent this year have been nice role players. That Mikheyev kid has been a nice, pleasant surprise for them. You know, mm-hmm. but how are how are the Hawks going to match up with them? And can these forwards that have been scoring guys like Kubalik, guys like DeBrinket, guys like Taves and Kane, potentially Sod and Strom if they're playing on on Saturday, which would be a huge boost to this lineup? How are these guys going to get after that defense that's beat up for the Toronto Maple Leafs? And on the other side, how does this Blackhawks defense match up with these guys? Who do you match up against the Matthews line? Is it Keith and Bokefist? Do you feel confident putting Mata and Cuckoo out there right now with how well they've been playing? Or are you taking yeah. a chance with Gus on one side, but putting Murphy out there, who you know is a stable at-home defenseman? Or do you switch the pairings up? Does Murphy and Keith play together, and that is your shutdown pairing for the night? Problem is, Toronto's the home team. They get to choose second shift. So it, it, there's a lot of chess pieces here for this game. And I'm actually yeah. kind of intrigued to see because, you know, you just mentioned it, you know, riding that momentum into this game. You played three, admittedly, not very great teams. And you took advantage of them the way you should have. Can you keep that mo that mo going? Mo's a real thing, man. You know, oh, James yeah. Wisniewski way oh, back when we had him on talked about it. Mo's a real thing. How do you keep that momentum going, especially if you get guys like Strom and Sod back against a very very good Maple Leafs team? I know that was really long winded, so I want to turn it back over to you, John. Yeah. So I mean, honestly, Ron, if you were asking me point blank right now, and I had to give you an answer, I would roll with Keith and Boquist uh, against those guys, that top unit, if I could. Uh, like you had said, I know the second change comes from the home team, which will be Toronto on Saturday night. But um, I would just trust, you know, Duncan Keith had six shot blocks tonight. Uh, the guy is always looking out for his partner. Um, you know, it, it's weird to say that, you know, he has to handhold someone as highly touted as Adam Boquist, but it takes a while to learn the reins in the NHL, especially on the defensive side, especially when you're thrown in uh, with one of the best defensemen, uh, you know, that has ever done it over the past decade here uh, in Duncan Keith. So, I mean, you're going to get the other team's top uh, scorers. You're going to get their highest threat players. So um, I, I really would, though, I would let Duncan Keith lead the way on that um, because, you know, it's going to be a rowdy atmosphere. Saturday night, hockey night in Canada, Ron, I I know, you know, we're, you know, Chicago kids here. Um, I would argue, even as not growing up there, I would argue that Hockey Night in Canada is bigger than Football Sunday in America. Um, mm-hmm. They love that shit. They love that shit. They get rowdy mm-hmm. for it. I was watching two years ago. The, the Canadians were trash. Uh, Boston wasn't as good as they nearly are now. The Bell Center was, like, sold out on a Saturday night for an irrelevant game in, like, early March. And the yeah. place is rocking for like, you know what I'm saying? Like it just means that much to them. So uh, no different with Toronto. Obviously they have more scrutiny than anyone uh, with all the media being right there in Toronto on them. And obviously uh, the, the, you know, you can kind of, I, I feel like the memes and the jokes reverberate all throughout hockey Twitter after they originate around the Leafs because everybody kind of wants to pile on. It's been so long since they've won a cup and all of this and that. Um, mm. But you see all of it recently is how terrible the Toronto defense is. And they let up eight goals to the Panthers. Uh, I believe that was the game when it was uh, really, you know, kind of uh, coming our way. And when I saw it in our Twitterverse, and then even though, you know, uh, sure they won their most recent game against the devils, but they still let up four goals 
to a Devils mm-hmm. team. And granted, I would, you know, let's take a step back because I know I was at the game right before Christmas. The Blackhawks let up seven goals to the freaking Devils. Um, but that, you know, that was a night where they literally took holiday break after the first 20 minutes. So um, I, I understand, you know, you can have off nights and all that and maybe sure the Panthers one was, but uh, it, it seemed to be that there was just too many defensive breakdowns in that one. Whereas the Hawks, like literally forward group didn't even show up for when uh, they got routed by the Devils. So, um, you know, I like I said, going back to that initial question, I would go with uh, Keith Boquist. Uh, yeah, it's, you know, kind of scary having a rookie out there against them. But um, I, after, you know, we, we always talk about uh, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I feel like, you know, the Colleton, you know, granted, even though he did go to the uh, Kante's Kubelik line uh, down the second half of the game against Ottawa. Um, other than that, though, that they weren't the ones that started tonight. So they kind of, you know, went back with what the original starting lines at Ottawa were uh, for tonight's game in Montreal and ended up working out where they didn't need to go back to Kane Taves Kublik as frequently as they did against Ottawa. Um, so think about D pairs. It's been fairly consistent over the past two. Um, I would guess that it rolls over right into the next one on Saturday night. Um, I, you know what, I, I think it. I am just really, really hoping that even if one of them can come back, I would love both. Don't get me wrong. But if one of Strom or Saad could come back, I think that would be a huge boost uh, because then you could have two really, really legitimate uh, scoring threat lines. Um, in addition to how well the bottom six have been playing as of late, mm-hmm. uh, if you have such a balanced attack, you're going to find holes somewhere on that Toronto defense. I mean, shit, it ain't hard to spot them right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so no. I think, it wouldn't be hard to spot, uh, especially with that bolstered depth and another score uh, on the ice. So uh, th- that's just kind of my initial analysis of this. Also, just looking at recent trends, uh, the Leafs had lost three games in a row before they put that uh, 7-4 beat down on the Devils um, in, in their most recent contest. And they do have one more coming up. Uh, we are recording this on Wednesday night, the 15th of January. The Flames are in town to uh, take on the Maple Leafs on the 16th, the Thursday, um, the 16th of January. So I uh, just note, uh, wanted to let all our listeners know what the uh, what it's on the docket for our opponent as well. Blackhawks will be off until that game at Toronto after playing back-to-backs here. So, Ron, uh, let's get to some sticks to click and then closing thoughts. So uh, hit it off with sticks to click first. Yeah, stick to click. I mean, <laughs> I know, you know, you mentioned it on the last episode. The easy one feels like Kubalik, especially with just how hot he's been and how well he's been scoring. But, you know, I'm just, I got a, I got a funky feeling, man. And, and my funky feeling uh, is it's, it's around that fourth line. It really is. And I'm, I'm getting a little twitch when I hover over his name. Uh, for some reason, I think, I think Matthew Highmore is going to do something, man. I don't know why. Don't ask me why. That's, I just think I think that fourth line strategy, Cotton. It is a bold strategy. I, I wanted to go Patrick Kane, and but I just feel like that's too easy. You know, he's he's constantly on the board, and I like being a little adventurous. But like that that fourth line has been playing so well, just so well, and you know Zach Smith and 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 you know Matthew Highmore and Drake Kajula. Heck, I could even argue taking Drake Kajula just from how well he played tonight. You know. But yeah. I have a feeling that maybe Matthew Highmore gets rewarded, somehow comes through, and, and gets a you know a goal, maybe even just an assist uh, in Toronto. I think that fourth line is going to do something, uh, especially because you know 
as you mentioned, that that Leafs D is so beat up. You would have to imagine they're going to play their third pairing against the Hawks' fourth line. So um, I think that fourth line is going to take advantage of it. And for whatever reason, I think Mr. Matthew Highmore is going to be able to, uh, you know, get one in. Even even the blind squirrel finds another every once in a while. Yeah, no, I and I don't mean to rag on Matthew Highmore. It's just you know uh, when he's coming down and you know uh, yeah, it looks like you have a two on one uh, and the defenders in between him and the guy that he's about to pass to and then he fumbles the puck to the corner uh, and then also whiffs on another shot that's set up for him uh just doesn't make me have much faith so i hope he's i hope i'm wrong i hope you prove me wrong and i hope your pick you're speaking it into existence i would love to see that um i am going to go with a guy who i believe is due um, do for a goal in this sense. And uh, it's from the back end. Uh, you know, our guy Comiskey is going to hate it, but Eric Gustafson, the Gus yeah. bus, roll through. Yep, the Gus bus. Uh, it's about time. I feel like uh, against a Toronto team uh, that is looking to cherry pick, it could be an instance of a forward slipping out too early, uh, you know, kind of dangling towards the neutral zone. Gustafson steps in, has a wide open lane, rips a clap bomb through. Um, I could just see it happening. With a unstructured Leafs uh, defensive sequence, so um, I'm going to go with the Gus Bus. So uh, I was right tonight on Debrinket. Let's keep my streak going. I was right before that too. I believe I said Kubalik in the game before that. So um, yeah, I've been on a roll. Yes, you have, and yeah, you know, I mean, Gus has to has to show off for the team he's inevitably going to be traded to at the deadline. Exactly. Exactly. No. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think it's you know it's going to happen, and you know he's had a couple this year where where he gets set up, whether it be on a breakdown or just on a power play, uh, and he's able to bury him. So uh, I feel like there's going to be opportunities for him. Uh, that's why I'm going to roll with him. It's usually odd. I probably should go with the forward and I should mention that Patrick Kane is two points away from a thousand. Um, but I don't want to jinx shit. I don't want to say, Oh yeah, he's going to get it. And then he doesn't. And then it takes him like three games. And then, you know, then I'm the bad guy. I get all the rap for it. So I- I'm not going to jinx it. I'm not going to touch it. I'm going not even with the forward, a defenseman, Eric Gustafson's my stick to click. All right. We got to wrap this thing up. Closing thoughts, Ron. Yeah, I was actually, my, my closing thought was going to be what is Patrick Kane's point total now? So you answered my question at nine ninety eight. That's what I yep. thought it was. So, He's two points away from a thousand. Wow. Just my closing thought is going to be a little bit of just a, a haiku on appreciation of Patrick Kane, just because, you know, especially in a downtime for the Blackhawks organization over the last few years, um, you know, this team not being the same since they won the Stanley Cup in 15. Obviously, they still had a really good season the year after, you know, number one in the West, everything like that. Or excuse me, the, the year after against St. Louis and then the following year being number one in the West, obviously being swept by Nashville. So two playoff appearances since, um, you know, the Panarin days and all that. But like just appreciating Patrick Kane and how special of a hockey player he is. You know, he's he is going to go down. I don't care what anybody says as the greatest American born hockey player when it's all said and done. Do I think guys like Eichel and Matthews are going to sniff around that? Absolutely. I think they're both elite talents in this league, but just what Patrick Kane has done. And just to think, just to think that there was actually a legit media debate when he was, when the Hawks had the number one pick of whether they should take the little guy from London, Ontario, Patrick Kane, or if they should take James Van Riemsdyk. Where would this organization be if they take JVR? And that's not a shot at JVR. JVR was a very good player. That's a 30 goal scorer. He's a very good player, but he's not Patrick Kane. Patrick Kane's a future Hall of Famer. And I think when it's all said and done, he surplants the greats like Jeremy Roenick and Mike Madonna and all those guys as the greatest in America born hockey player ever. So uh, a little bit, especially with the two points away 
you know, there's a very good possibility he gets that before they go on their week break um, and the All-Star game. Just appreciate Patrick Kane, ladies and gentlemen, how good he is, how much fun he is to watch. He's a special player because someday that number 88 is going to be hanging in the rafters at the United Center, and we're going to all be telling our kids and our grandkids about how great Patrick Kane was on the ice. Yeah, absolutely, Ron. I can totally get behind that. Uh, I, I like that you mentioned that about Kaner. Uh, of course, I had the point total pulled up for you, uh, so I put it on a silver platter for you, naturally. Sure did. No, uh, my, my last thought is you elaborated on it further, so I don't need to go too in-depth, but uh, fourth-line salute, uh, bottom-pair salute tonight, uh, even with guys that are you know technically Drake Kajula playing on a first line, but you would consider him more of that bottom-six type of role. So uh, salute to those guys getting the job done, especially when you're injured, you need your depth players step up they did just that tonight blackhawks win it four to one in montreal next game is saturday night uh, against the toronto maple Leafs hockey night in canada um ron it's time to send this thing out let's send the listeners off with the let's go hawks let's go hawks baby